0: Hi and thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Alan Carter Show. I'm Pei Chen, and I've been filling in for Alan for a couple of days. And look, if you're if you're listening right now, then you are fully aware. I'm sure that uh, there have been some tech issues for some customers who use Rogers. And uh, if you're like me, um, that was a bit of a rude awakening <laughs> this morning. It's it's been a I guess an eye-opening experience to be reminded of how much we, we rely on technology. I biked to the station this morning. It's about a 20 minute bike ride downtown Toronto. And what I've never seen before, you know, mid morning on a weekday, like a work day, was the crowds of people huddled around all the coffee shops. Usually, you'll see a few people sitting outside, uh, you know, working. It's also a really nice day downtown. But I basically just saw people, like, flattened against the buildings, trying to get as strong as a signal that they could uh, from the coffee shop Wi-Fis. And I feel for them because, you know, luckily, well, at home, I have Bell internet. But my cell phone is with Rogers, so there's a little bit of um, sort of, like, shifting all of my emails and text messages, but I could really see how that has affected people downtown as as I was biking through, and it's been a challenge, and also I will just let people know that uh, a lot of our guests, uh, we're still trying to confirm them for the next uh, few hours, but luckily, my first guest is able to connect with us, and that's Karen Fricker, and she is a freelance theater critic for The Star, also an Associate Professor of Dramatic Arts at Brock University. Karen, we're chatting because I saw a show last night that I just absolutely fell in love with. I went to see And Juliet, and it was the first big show that I've seen since pre-COVID. And I have to tell you that it was the most magical experience
1: It's such a fun show. And it's, I mean, it is, it's so huge what they're doing. I mean, talk about like, boy, if you couldn't plug into the grid, that show couldn't happen. I'm still picking, I'm still picking the confetti out of my shoes. Um, I mean, it's, it it is just such a massive love letter to pop music and to live spectacle and to like the joy of, being together that show i agree it's so much fun
0: now it's um it's at the princess of wales theater and it's been running not long i think maybe about two weeks if that um i posted just the um like the program on uh, instagram before the show started and then afterwards i had people saying it was you know people were saying this is maybe like top three shows for me and i've seen quite a bit of theater, not as much as you, um, but, and and musicals, like I do love musicals. I love because I'm tone deaf. So when someone can sing and run around and act, I'm just floored. Um, But I'm guessing for you, you've really seen the shift in terms of shows coming back and maybe people being more willing to go out and attend and support.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've, theater's been back in Toronto pretty much since March. It's been ramping up. So, and, and I mean, we know theater's really back when Mervish Productions are bringing in huge shows like this. I mean, I'll say at the same time as we've got Anne Juliet opening, we've also got the Toronto Fringe going on. So we've got like, you know, small storefront venues all over the cities that have like 50 people of them in them, which is exciting. And then we also have a big show like this. A little bit about where it came from. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it started in the UK and that production is still running. It started before COVID, then it had to shut down. Now it's back up. We are getting the North American premiere production, which is then transferring to Broadway for sure in November. So this is an exciting thing for Toronto. It doesn't often happen that we kind of get it first before New York and um, the whole, and so to just explain also a little bit about the premise of the show, it's built around the catalog of the pop music producer, Max Martin, who you may not have heard of, but who has written and co-written and co-produced and songs for like all of the major pop stars of the early 2000s, like Britney Spears like, Spears, like the Backstreet Boys, like NSYNC. And a lot of the fun of the show is that so many hits and they're all so well-performed.
0: Well, I have to say that w- one of the reasons I really love the show is because I knew all the songs. And usually when it comes to musicals and theater, I have to have seen the show before I know the song. So, you know, I had totally. to see Rent, before I fell in love with the song, Dear Evan Hansen, um, even like Phantom of the Opera. I didn't really know those songs until I was more familiar with the show. But this one, I went in, I didn't know what the premise was. I just know that it was going to, you know, have some really nice, uh, you know, boy band music and a little Britney. And I thought, okay, wait, this sounds, this sounds like a good
1: time. Yeah. And I mean, I think that a huge part of the fun of the show is, yeah, you know, the music. I mean, in that it's a, we call them jukebox musicals, right? Jukebox musicals are ones that are built around the catalog of an existing artist or artists. So Mamma Mia being the most obvious example, right? Or that was like the big, Mm. the the one that launched them all that, and part of the fun of Mamma Mia is you go in, you're like, oh my God, I know these songs and they're like the best pop songs ever. This (laughs) one, this one is like within three minutes, you have William Shakespeare of all people singing Larger Than Life by the Backstreet Boys and that kind of tells you everything you need to know about the show that it's kind of it's built around a kind of a what if of what if Juliet didn't die in the end of Romeo and Juliet and William Shakespeare and his wife are characters in it and then it's like an alternative telling of the story of of Romeo and Juliet but like with these great pop songs so it's it's really, it, it appeals on so many levels.
0: Yes, and it's like, it's like a play within a play. And then it's like you said, it's taking place in like a, the William Shakespeare time, yet very modern. And then it injects uh, a lot of, um,
1: I guess, issues and and topical concerns of like the modern day. Yeah, totally. And I think that it, I mean, it's a very feminist show um, yes. in that it's it is really asking about where like Juliet's agency is and where female characters agency are and within that I have to say that within a show full of amazing performances Betsy Wolf, who plays Anne Hathaway William Shakespeare's wife I thought that was that was an incredible performance her comic timing is impeccable and she's got an incredible voice and I think you know it's and I think it's super interesting and I didn't get to say this in my star review this show was the idea of Max Martin's wife and oh, I think the right. fact that William Shakespeare's wife ends up being the smartest person in the room is not mm-hmm. a coincidence.
0: Oh, that's, an, that is interesting Baxter. And like you said, like as a household name, I didn't know, you know, Max, if you'd thrown his name to me, I'd be like, I don't know who that is. But then when you realize the songs that he has been behind, you're like, wow, this guy's a big deal.
1: Yeah. And that, and as such, you kind of you kind of need to unpack the fact that it's the Max Martin jukebox musical because people will be like, I don't know who that is. But when you yes. when you think, I mean, the guy w- really was is the motor of a hit factory, and uh, and he's worked with so many you know, different artists. And so you, like, for example, there's a Celine Dion, a song that Celine Dion made famous in there, as well as lots and lots of Backstreet Boys. So I think it's really interesting also that Backstreet Boys are having such a moment in Toronto right now between having had their concert where Drake turned up and now that they really are kind of one, their music is kind of one of the stars of the show of Juliette*.
0: Well, I think it also speaks to the fact that um, boy bands, as much as like when you're a teen and you're loving boy bands and uh, your parents or you know, the older ones, like you're going to outgrow this. No, no, no. It can continue for the rest of your life. Like the boy
1: band uh, love and craze doesn't actually die. Yeah. And I I spent my time during the show, like during the intermission and afterwards, I went with a friend who is like a total pop music guru. And it was amazing to have him with me. And we were kind of like, who is the show for? Because, and it's actually for a lot of different generations, because like boomers, their kids would have grown up listening to this music. And so it's, it's going to be a soundtrack to baby boomers lives, even as much as younger generations lives. Like we, all of this music has been playing in the background for the past, like 20, 25 years. And, and as I mean, I'm curious what younger your kids like under 10s might make of it. I'm not saying mm-hmm. I don't think they wouldn't like it. And I think they would. I would just love to talk to someone who went to see it of oh, that age group to see what, what clicked for them about the show.
0: I wonder if they're like, oh my gosh, this is the song that mom always plays.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite possibly. I mean, but even if, even if there's like, there might be an eye roll, like the staging is incredibly energetic that like so many amazing things that happen like hydraulics and- the costumes are, are fabulously inventive, kind of like half Elizabethan, half contemporary. Really cool, to me at least, um, contemporary looking choreography and um, a cast that's mostly Americans, but there are a few Canadians in the cast as well, which is exciting because this entire cast is gonna leave here and go to Broadway. And I expect run for a super long time.
0: So it's actually not running in Toronto for too long, right? The people who are curious about it, they have a, a shorter window to see
1: it. Yeah, it's, it's here through mid-August, I think. So it's a, um, it, it is a, a limited run here because they then need to go down and regroup and put it into their Broadway theater.
0: So I would uh, honestly, I would encourage people who, you know, who like, even if you just like theater, if you like musicals, uh, this is definitely one to check out and, and not wait too long on, cause I know sometimes we have shows that run for a really long time and you think, yeah, you know, you know, I'll get to it later or I'll pick up tickets for Christmas or something like that. But this, um, as you mentioned, Karen is a show that is just production wise is, is wonderful. The dancing, the music, it's so upbeat. Um, it felt, it just kind of
1: feel like you're in a party. Yeah, absolutely, and and they also like I mentioned the confetti. Like there's pyro, <laughs> yes. um, you know. It's, it's they they lay they lay it on, and particularly at the end, like the the audience just so well. I I was there the night before you. I was there at the last preview, and the audience just wanted to get on its feet at at the end and have a bop along with the cast. It really is like so so festive, and as such, I think is really great for summer and for this summer, where like you say, like we're it's finally feeling like we can get back to doing some stuff that we weren't able to do during COVID. Like see, and I know COVID is not over, but um, to see, see large scale theater inside.
0: And it was actually really nice to be waiting outside of the, Prince, um, of the Princess of Wales Theatre on King Street there and just see all the people because they were also, you know, coming from an early dinner or going out afterwards. And that was the kind of energy that's really been lacking um, in the theatre district for so long. So it was really great to feel a bit of that energy come back. And I'm sure that those surrounding businesses are so grateful that people are going out to the shows because they benefit from it, too.
1: Totally. I was I had a little bite to eat with my friend before at the um the bar restaurant on the second floor of the Tifa light box and they actually have an outside terrace on the uh, upstairs which i didn't know so it's fabulous and so we were sat there and just looking at the people out on the street you know and looking up into the entertainment district and saying this is just it's got to be so great for all of for all of those restaurants and bars and comedy clubs and you name it to finally mm-hmm feel like the p- people are back out and starting to feel a little bit more confident. That said, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I was super happy to have my mask on in that theater. Yes, um, it was. <laughs> it, it's intense.
0: <laughs> um, Karen, thank you so much. Really appreciate your insight on this. Okay, thank you
1: so much for the opportunity. Take care.
0: That's Karen Fricker. She's a freelance theater critic for The Star and an associate professor of dramatic arts at Brock University. And the Mervis show we were talking about is called And Juliet. I'm Pei Chen, and you are listening to The Alan Carter Show.